the plaza. Everything was as usual, the Indians selling their jewelry on the sidewalk in front of the governor's palace, old folks taking the spring sun on the benches in the little park, shopkeepers sweeping their sidewalks. Santa Fe had been up for hours, but like him it was just waking. Ed went back inside and walked slowly around the offices, inspecting everything carefully. It was all finally coming together. He walked out onto the larger terrace. The caterers had set up a bar and a long lunch table, and they were hand-trucking in dishes, silverware, and serving pieces. He went back to his office and sat down, not knowing what to do next. He was still fuzzy around the edges. Coffee, that's what. He walked over to the built-in cabinets on one wall of his office and opened a pair of doors, revealing a little kitchenette. Betty had already made the coffee, and he poured himself a mug and took a Danish from the plate she had left there. Special occasion. He went back to his desk and stood by it, sipping his coffee. It was his fiftieth birthday. Moreover, with the opening of his new offices, this day was the culmination of everything he had worked for over the past twenty-five years. He had long been Santa Fe's top trial attorney, but he had finally and firmly established himself as one of the half-dozen best trial lawyers west of the Mississippi, and that included Denver, Dallas, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. When people were accused of bad things, they thought of Ed Eagle. One case had done more than any other to help him achieve that status. The Wolf Willett murders, a couple of years earlier. Wolf was a Hollywood producer, and three people had been murdered in his Santa Fe home. Himself and his wife Julia among them, or so it had first seemed. Wolf had been astonished to learn of his own death when he had read about it, and he had come to Ed Eagle for help. Ed's clearing of Wolf Willett had made headlines all over the country and had revealed the sordid background of Julia Willett. Ed was now married to Julia's sister, and he believed he knew everything about her background. And where the hell was she? It was past eleven o'clock, and their guests were due at noon. Betty came into his office with a sheet of paper in her hand, closed the door behind her, and leaned against it. You're going to want to sit down, she said. That sounds ominous, he replied. It was meant to. Sit down. Ed obediently sat down. Betty took a deep breath, walked over to his desk, and laid the sheet of paper on it. I just found this in the fax machine, she said. I'm sorry I didn't see it sooner, but I've been busy. Ed picked up the sheet of paper, which was a letter from his bank. He read aloud, this is to confirm the wire transfer of $930,000 from your firm account and $170,000 from your personal account to... He stopped reading aloud. To an account in the Cayman Islands? What the hell is this? It sounds very much like all the cash you have, Betty said. Unless you've got something in your sock. Ed bared his teeth. Look in my mouth, he said to Betty. Do I still have my eye teeth? Figuratively speaking, Betty replied, no. Two. Eagle set the letter down on his desk. His mind, which had been slowed by the remnants of the sleeping pill, was suddenly operating under full steam. Get me my broker, he said to Betty. Betty picked up the phone on his desk, dialed the number, and handed him the phone. Jim, Eagle said. Morning, Ed. I expect you're calling about the wire transfer. Yes, I am. Has it gone? I've just been handed the authorization. We liquidated your accounts yesterday, as per your fax. 
The wire will be gone in five minutes. Hold everything, Eagle said. What? Do not wire those funds. All right. What do you want me to do with all this cash? It's just over four million dollars. Is it too late to cancel the sale of all those stocks? Well, yes, it was done yesterday. I know you wanted the funds wired before 2 p.m., but we couldn't release that larger sum until we had confirmations. Jim listened to me very carefully. The facts you got was not sent by me and did not reflect my wishes. Do you understand? It was signed by Barbara, Ed. I'm going to send you a letter confirming that the instructions were unauthorized, and I want you to call someone at the IRS immediately and inform them of that fact. Follow up with a letter, because otherwise I'll be faced with a hell of a tax bill for the capital gains on those sales. Of course I will, Ed, and I want to apologize, but I thought— Don't worry about it, Jim. We caught it in time, and I'm not going to hold your firm responsible for anything but the notification of the IRS. I'll talk to you later. Oh, by the way, send me the paperwork immediately for removing Barbara's name from all my accounts. Eagle hung up and turned to Betty. Call the credit card companies and cancel all Barbara's credit cards with immediate effect. I'll talk to them if necessary. Also have them fax copies of all the charges in the last and current billing cycle. Got it, Betty said, and left the office. Eagle got up and went into the shiny new bathroom off his shiny new office and vomited what was left of last night's dinner into the shiny new toilet. He drank a glass of water, then went back to his desk and called Russell Norris. Norris was a retired top IRS agent who now worked as a consultant. He was very good at dealing with foreign banks. He explained the situation to Norris, who promised to get back to him quickly. Eagle took a deep breath and called the president of his bank. Fred? Yes, Ed. I was just about to leave for your shindig. Great. Before you do, I received a fax from you this morning addressed to Barbara confirming a transaction. I expect you are familiar with that. Of course, Ed. I handled it myself yesterday. Listen to me carefully, Fred. I did not authorize the transaction. The instructions are fraudulent. There was a silence at the other end of the phone, and when the man spoke again, his voice was shaky. Ed, tell me this is a joke. It is not a joke. The instructions were not mine, and the signature on the fax is not mine. I tried to call you to confirm it, but neither your old office or your new one answered. All I got was a message saying you were closed for moving. Fred, you need to report this to your board immediately. Of course. And I want those funds back in my account before the close of business today. Ed, I don't know about that. I'll have to talk to my board. Why did Barbara do this? I don't know yet. I'm just beginning my investigation. I will follow up with written notification of the fraud, and I will expect you and your board to do the right thing. Come to think of it, you can hold your board meeting right here, since all the members are coming to our opening. Yes, I suppose we could, Ed. I'll talk to you later. Goodbye, Fred. Betty came into the office with several sheets of paper. Looks like Barbara has been shopping for a lot of new clothes, she said, laying them on the desk. About thirty thousand dollars worth, and some new luggage, too. Oh, and there's a little item on her American Express card for twenty-two thousand dollars for the charter of a jet from a company in Albuquerque. I called them. 
They picked up a Mrs. Eagle at 7 a.m. this morning at the Santa Fe airport and flew her to Mexico City. She landed an hour ago. Good God, Eagle said. There's no extradition from Mexico, is there? Not even for murder, Eagle replied. How much did she get away with? One million one hundred thousand dollars, Eagle replied. Of the bank's money. The bank's money? That's my story and I'm sticking to it, Eagle said. Sounds good to me, Betty said. Now you'd better get on your feet and slap a smile on your face because the governor just arrived and the place is filling up fast. Ed stood up. When the party's over, send somebody out to the airport to pick up Barbara's Range Rover. He unclipped the key from his ring and handed it to her. Can you think of anything else I should do? Sure. Call the FBI. Good idea, he said. Remind me when all these people have gone. He straightened his tie and, trying not to look pale, walked out of his office and onto the terrace where his guests were gathering. 3. Eagle headed straight for the governor and received him warmly. Since Eagle had been a steady contributor to the man's campaigns first for Congress, then for governor, the warmth was returned. When that duty had been accomplished, he worked the crowd, shaking every hand, accepting compliments on his new quarters, charming everyone wherever he went. The crowd drank, ate, then thinned, and after he had pumped the last hand, he returned to his office, where the bank president and the chairman of his board awaited on his sofa. Fred... Arthur, he said, sitting down opposite them. I'll come right to the point, Ed, Fred said. Arthur and I have canvassed every member of the board. We've talked to our attorneys and we've consulted the state banking board. It looks like...